Over the past two weeks, we've looked at how unloving some in this world can be. Last week, we spent some time looking at, at fear. And many of these worrisome things are simply the reality of living in a sinful world. That's the bad news. But fear not, dear friends. The good news is this. Over the past few weeks and today and into the future, we, we will look at these ailments and infections caused by sin, but our main focus will be on the truth that Jesus is the cure. Our sermon today is entitled, Humanity's Most Ingested Poison. Does anyone want to step out and, and be a little brave and, and take a guess at what we might be talking about today? Hate, okay? It's definitely connected in that. Ava, yes. Technology, okay. We are always surrounded by technology, right? What was that, Misha? Did I hear you say forgiveness, Misha? Is that, is that what I heard you say? Because if that's what I heard you say, Misha, that is correct. We're going to talk today about forgiveness. And it's definitely connected with hate, right, Lonnie? The sermon title was inspired by this quote. When we hold on to grudges and resentment, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Forgiveness is a loaded word. It's been tossed around self-help circles for years, but little has been made of what the science behind forgiveness can teach us about our own lives. Forgiveness does not mean that you have to become best friends with the person who wronged you. Forgiveness is not saying that what happened was okay. Forgiveness can mean a number of different things to different people in different situations. It can mean that you maybe have to let someone go from your life. Forgiveness can mean you love from a distance. Forgiveness can mean you step into the present rather than staying anchored in the past. Forgiveness is the cornerstone of any relationship, romantic or otherwise. We assume people see life the same way we see life. However, there are as many perceptions as there are people in this world. And our lack of understanding of other people's perceptions can create gaps built on miscommunication, anger, animosity, an emotional disconnection. However, our relationship with forgiveness can help bridge those gaps. Forgiveness is a process that takes time for most. And when betrayal and miscommunication inhibit our ability to forgive, it's okay to feel those feelings. It's okay to feel those feelings. Shock and anger often come before forgiveness. We must first deal with the hurt feelings before moving into forgiveness. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. Let us respect that process. 
a process that can actually be happening without us even realizing it. Some people can forgive at the drop of a hat. But for most of us, we need more time. The act of forgiving is realizing that holding on to the anger and resentment is no longer healthy. No longer healthy. And the truth is that forgiveness is more powerful than we might think. Just like anything in life, there are costs to our choices. There are costs to our choices. Staying angry, resentful, and vengeful comes at a high price. All these feelings can have a detrimental impact on our physical and emotional well-being as well as our relationships. More on that later. But for now, let's turn to Jesus. Did he have anything to say on the topic of forgiveness? An unforgiving heart, it's not a new problem. Peter, the disciple, around 2,000 years ago, came to Jesus and asked this, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. This 70 times seven concept is not Jesus saying that Peter should be willing to forgive 490 times and then after that it's okay for him to hold grudges. That's not what Jesus is saying here. In the Hebrew culture, seven is the number of perfection. Perfection. So this was Jesus' way of telling Peter to keep on forgiving to keep on doing it. This was Jesus's way of using hyperbole to essentially say, Peter, never hold grudges. Never hold grudges. Jesus then connects the concept of forgiveness with worship in Mark chapter 11, where he says this, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. When it comes to prayer and worshiping God, we are better off forgiving someone before we attempt to come and ask God for forgiveness. Jesus shares a similar thought in Matthew 6 where he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In essence, Jesus is asking, why would you ask for something that you yourself aren't willing to give? Forgiveness was obviously an important topic to Jesus. He spoke on it a number of times, and we don't have time this morning to go into all these instances where Jesus talked about it, but I want to share one more scripture with you. Luke 6, 37, Jesus once again speaking, judge not and you shall not be judged, condemn not and you shall not be condemned, forgive and you will be forgiven. This is really just a reiteration of the golden rule, isn't it? Treat others how you'd like to be treated. 
even by God. As I mentioned before, there are a number of misguided concepts when it comes to forgiveness. So I'd like to separate fact from fiction by sharing eight lessons on forgiveness. First, forgiving does not mean forgetting. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. Barring some form of uh, serious neurological condition, it's highly unlikely that you'll ever be able to forget some serious offense, some serious wrong that has been committed against you. And while we can't control what memories stick with us or not, we can control our attention. Specifically, we can exert control over how much we choose to focus on and ruminate about past wrongs committed against us. You can't control your memories, but you can control your attention. Second, forgiveness and anger, they don't mix well. It's normal to feel anger towards your offender. It's normal. But in the long run, unchecked anger often leads to obsessively focusing on those wrongs that have been done to you which keeps those memories strong and readily accessible for your mind. Often, when you're lying in bed trying to go to sleep at night. Can anyone relate to that one? (laughs) Thank you, Kenna. The less you mentally elaborate on your anger and what happened to you, the less frequently your mind will remind you of what happened. Just because your anger is justified, though, doesn't mean it's helpful. Validate your anger, yes, but don't feed it. Don't feed it. This is why Jesus didn't say, don't be angry, but Jesus did say, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Third, forgiveness doesn't equate to endorsement. Acceptance means acknowledging that you don't have power or control over your past. This is a surprisingly hard thing to do for people who have been abused or otherwise wrong somehow. Because feeling like the past is controllable, it's powerful. But ultimately, this is just an illusion. I've yet to meet anybody that has successfully built a time machine. Choosing to let go of the desire to control the past is key to taking control over your future. We spend far too much time living and ruminating over the past. You can accept an offense against you, accept that it happened without excusing it. Fourth, forgiveness does not require reconciliation. No matter how much you want that person who has wronged you to see the error of their ways, to come to you with an apology or restitution, to mend the relationship, you can't control them. You can't control them. And it's dangerous to spend time and energy trying to control things that we ultimately don't have any control over. Hope for reconciliation, if you wish. But don't expect it. Don't expect it. Fifth, forgiveness is not one decision. 
Forgiveness begins with one decision, but it doesn't end there. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a journey. One decision to forgive is not enough. We've got to be prepared to continue to forgive day in and day out. And while it might get easier over time, forgiveness is forever. It's a process forever. Forgiveness is not just a decision. It's an attitude. It's a habit of the mind. Sixth, forgiveness is not a feeling. Now, people do tend to feel better as a result of forgiveness, but it's a mistake to expect certain feelings to come about when you extend forgiveness. Forgiveness is a commitment, not a feeling. Seventh, your road to forgiveness is your own. Don't let somebody else force their experience or their ability upon you when it comes to how you forgive. Embrace the emotional distinctiveness of your own road to forgiveness. And finally, eighth, forgiveness is not weakness. Forgiveness is not weakness. Both research and experience have suggested that one roadblock people face with forgiveness is the idea of being seen as weak if you forgive. However, in many ways, it actually takes more strength to forgive someone. Staying angry and bitter is easy a lot of times, right? It's easy just to let those emotions run, run wild in your mind, and we can accommodate and get used to those angry feelings. It takes a lot more work to forgive, and oftentimes hard work. So to suggest that forgiveness equals weakness is actually false because forgiveness is powerful. It's powerful. It's so powerful that forgiveness, which is rooted in love, actually gives us a clear image of God. Why do I say that? Jesus said something to his disciples right before he was arrested. He said this, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. How did Jesus tell and show us what the Father was like? He did it at the cross. He did it at the cross. And while he was on the cross, some of the last words that he uttered were these. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Forgiveness is power. Forgiveness is strength. Forgiveness is the example that Jesus gave us. And as I mentioned earlier, forgiveness or the lack of it can affect our mental and physical health. Jesus didn't tell us we need to forgive those who wrong us just because he liked giving rules. No, Jesus wants and knows what is best for us. 
Jesus knew then what scientists, doctors, and psychologists know now. Namely, that forgiveness provides vital benefits to our mental and physical well-being. It leads to a reduction in depression, anger, stress, cardiovascular disease, and pain. While it leads to improvements in hope, compassion, self-confidence, and even immune response. So there it is. I've laid it all out there. And I'm not going to give any long or drawn-out appeal. You know the people in your life you need to forgive. You know the people in your life you need to forgive. I know the people in my life that I need to forgive. And I hope that I've given you all some tools to aid you in that journey. But beyond that, I hope that you are willing to go home and pray a similar prayer that I shared with you all two weeks ago. It's this prayer. Lord, will you start me down the path of forgiveness? I've read what Jesus did on the cross. I've read how he responded to those who wronged, hurt, and eventually killed him. He is my example. I want to experience that type of love and forgiveness. Start me on that journey, Lord. Amen. So no matter the sin, no matter the struggle, no matter the lie, no matter the doubt, no matter the pain, no matter the fear, Jesus is the cure. Amen and amen. I hope that you'll join us next week as we continue this series and we look at a sermon entitled, Finding Hope in a Hopeless World.